will be in Psalm 91. You can start getting in that direction if you want to. And what I want to do tonight is we'll just we'll read through the psalm and we'll spend some time looking at it. We'll go you know through each verse and I'll, we'll talk about it a little bit, um, and then we'll allow that to kind of guide our hearts to the Lord in, in prayer. And there's a couple of things that I really feel like as I was studying and, and praying about tonight, there's a couple of things that I feel like the Lord has really put on my heart just for us as as a fellowship that I really want to focus in on in prayer together tonight um, that kind of come out of this this chapter. So. What I like to do with Psalms is I'm just going to read the whole thing all at once and then we'll go back piece by piece. But let's just kind of, and sometimes it might even help you if you just want to sit and listen or however it works best for you. But I'll just try and read it slowly uh, just once through to start. Psalm 91 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Wow. This is a cool one. I always, when I read this psalm, um, the phrase that kind of sticks out to me about this one is right up in that first verse. Uh, talking about abiding in the shadow of the Almighty. That phrase was used for, I don't know if you guys may have read, I always get these two men confused, which I'm ashamed of, but it's either Nate Saint or Jim Elliott's uh, biography, which is mostly his own writing. I I believe it's Jim Elliott. He was one of the four men who pretty famously um, acted as missionaries to a totally unreached uh, people group in South America, I believe in Ecuador, if I remember correctly. And... um, all four of them were, were martyred as, as part of first contacting this group of people who had never, I mean, barely ever had contact with people from the West at all, certainly never been preached the gospel. And um, these young guys, you know, each individually had pretty crazy stories. And um, I believe Jim Elliott's, the book is called Shadow of the Almighty, and it's mostly just kind of his diaries and personal writing as he, you know, through his very, very young life, each of these guys died super young. So anyway, I always think of that book whenever I read this song because that, that phrase comes comes from here and that'll actually that's not just a, a bunny trail that'll come back in in a little bit so let's just go through the, the psalm I'll read each verse out again um, and we'll just kind of talk about it and see what the Lord kind of has for us here about himself and the relationship that he wants to have with us and kind of the results of that relationship in our lives so verse 1 says he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty 
So just the, the sense you get from that verse, right? Just already it's kind of showing you, hey, the, the relationship that the Lord wants to have, it's a close, intimate relationship with you, right? You can't be in somebody's shadow and, and not be pretty close with them. Like that's, that's uncomfortably close if you're not already <laughs> close to that person. If you're in somebody's shadow, you'd better be good friends with them, right? Because you're going to be standing right, right next to them all the time, just kind of following them around. What are you doing? You know, be in somebody's shadow. It's like when you have a little kid and they're always, hey, what are you doing now? What are you doing now? I want to be whatever you're, you know, Nora will always say, I'll, sometimes I'll be working. I'll say, hey, Nora, can you go find something to do? And she'll say, well, dad, I want to be in here with you. Right? And that's kind of that attitude that the Lord is talking about here, that we're supposed to dwell right in his, in his shadow and in the shelter that he offers us. And there's like a sense of comfort and closeness to that just from the first verse. Second verse says, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. That word fortress really sticks out to me from that. And it always helps when you're reading you know, we always talk about context, right? Well, okay, so originally, what did this mean to the people who were hearing it? What did this mean to the person that the Holy Spirit inspired to write it down? And when you think about, you know, the, the history and kind of the culture around this, the, the psalmist, when he's writing about a fortress, we're talking about, you know, people where if you lived in a city that was on top of a hill and had a wall, you were good to go. <laughs> right? Because back then, the amount of technology that somebody could throw against you was pretty much, well, I've got a sword and I've got a spear, and if I can run at you out in the open, you're in trouble. But if you've got a wall, I, I guess you're, you know, there's nothing that you're going to be able to do. What am I supposed to do? I can't climb that, you know? And, and so that idea of having a fortress, you know, if, when you go over to the Middle East, you can see cities that have been, you know, built on top of each other and on top of each other, and they turn into these hills for hundreds and hundreds of years because somebody found out, hey, if I'm on top of this hill, I'm unstoppable. Nobody can come against me. And they would have this feeling of safety, right? If you could get up behind that wall, you could look down at anyone else who wanted to come and do whatever they wanted to do, and you could say, nope, we're good, because we have this, this protection, right? And there's got to be a sense of, you know, we think of that. We all have houses that we go to and we feel, you know, safe and kind of comforted there. But imagine if most people, you know, lived in tents and they're wandering around all the time. There would be a few people in that culture who would have a place where they could be. And that would be so special. I'm like, hey, once we get back here, we're, we're okay. Why is that important? Well, the, the psalmist is saying to the Lord, that's what you are for me. You're a refuge. You're a fortress. You're a place where when I go, I don't have to worry about anything because, hey, I'm, I'm with God now. Okay, whew, we're, we're with God. We're good to go, right? We don't, I don't have to worry about what's going on out there. I'm, I'm in here. I've got, I've got this, this wall. I've got this protection, right? You don't, are, if you have a wall that you're relying on for your defense, are you, are you worried about, well, you know, we got to I gotta, I gotta do all these things behind the wall. No, you're, you're trusting that wall. If it's a strong, you know, good thing that you've built, you're like, okay, we're good now. You're not staring at the wall, worried that it's gonna fall down. You're just trusting that it's gonna take care of you. And that's what the Lord wants to provide for us. Uh, verse three kind of elaborates on that. It says, he'll deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. So now it's talking about, you know, the Lord isn't just something that you hide behind, right? Like, oh, we're, we're back here. We're safe. As long as we don't go out there. No, it's talking about God wants to provide, you know, freedom for you. And it's saying the snare of the fowler, that's, you know, they would be hunting birds and they'd throw like a net or they'd have a, a device that would capture the bird. And, and it's, it's if in this verse, like we're that bird and God's like, hey, I'll get you out of there. And he kind of sets us free so that we can go do what he wants us to do. And so he's, he's, giving us freedom. He's not, you know, allowing us to be caught up in, in sin or whatever the enemy wants to do. He's 
providing that way of escape for us, both from, you know, the enemy, and then even it says from the deadly pestilence, this idea that, hey, God is protecting us. There's, there's things that, you know, we can't see, that we can't defend ourselves against, that God's taking care of for us. Verse 4 says, He'll cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you'll find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. So this kind of has the idea that, yeah, there's danger that you're seeing out there that God's like, hey, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to step in front of this one. You know, like there's a sense that God's like, hey, you don't, don't deal with this. I'll, I'll be there. I'll take this one, right? And, you know, of course, the ultimate example of this that we can think of is, you know, Jesus, the Bible says, became sin for us, right? That was a punishment that we could have gone through, and Jesus said, I'm, I'm going to take this for them instead, allowed his perfection to suffer that for us. But, you know, not only has the Lord done that for us, but in daily life, there's things where I, I can look back and see, oh, wow, look how the Lord stepped in front of that one for me, right? Look how the Lord pushed that car aside, or look how the Lord, you know, took care of that thing that I didn't even see coming until afterwards, and that's something that the Lord loves to do for us. Verse 5 says, You'll not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day. I love that the Bible's honest with us, right? Does the Bible say, hey, don't worry about the dark, there's nothing going on in there. No, the Bible says, hey, it's kind of scary out there but you don't have to be afraid of that, right? You know, we don't, I didn't have to teach Jack to be afraid of the dark. Jack discovered it at the age of two. This is the year that he's like, hey, dad, I'll say, hey, can you go upstairs and get this? No, dad, it's dark. I didn't have to teach him to be afraid of the dark, right? We come as little kids knowing, I don't like that. That's not good, right? (laughs) There's something scary in there. I'd like the lights to be on, right? And, you know, not to be all creepy, but that's a real thing. You know, that's, we, we know, little kids, they know in their spirit, hey, I want to be where the light's at. Right? I want to be where people are. I don't want to be out there alone. And that's a good thing that the Lord gave us. There's real things that if without the Lord, we would be afraid of. But God's saying, hey, I don't, you don't have to be afraid of those things. I'm here with you. I don't, I don't want you to be afraid of, of the darkness, right, of, of the real things that are out there. I've got that taken care of for you. Verse 6 says, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. Again, kind of Hebrew poetry, it usually stacks stuff on top of each other. So it's kind of restating things. Hey, we talked about sickness, and then we talk about it again in a little different way. We talked about darkness, and then we bring it back around again. But it's kind of showing you all these different things that, you know, real things that you're afraid of, right? Especially, you know, for people back then, and I think sometimes we think, yeah, nowadays we've got these things covered, and then the Lord sometimes allows us to see, hey, you know, you don't have sickness on lock, right? <laughs> like, you still, there's still so many things in life that we just are outside of our control because of our weakness. But even more so in the ancient world, you know, the idea of a, if somebody got sick, well, now what are we going to do? You know, everybody's going to get sick, I guess. And there would be all these fears and anxieties that you would have around that. And the Lord is saying, hey, I, I control all of these things. Verse 7 says, A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will con- not come near you. And this is, you know, talking about that, the ultimate things that we fear, right? Death, other people's death, loss, right? And this is something that the Lord says, No, listen, I'm going to, I, I, th- these things are not going to conquer you. And I, again, I no- notice that it doesn't say, Hey, you or nobody that you love are ever going to die. That's not a promise that the Lord gives us, right? We lose people. We're all, we all know that at some point we're going to be in the presence of the Lord. So the Lord's not, you know, giving us some sort of Pollyanna promise of, of hey, you know, I'm, we, you don't have to worry about these things. He's saying, no, 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 through all of those things, right? He's saying, hey, you're gonna, there's going to be loss, there's going to be danger, but I'm going to preserve you through all of that. 
verse 8 says, you'll only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Like, not that, hey, I'm, you should work really hard, but the Lord's like, just stand still here. I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to take care of that. Don't go get vengeance for yourself. I've, I've got that. And that's kind of this whole first section, talking about all these things the Lord's preserving us for. And then it's almost like it turns on verse 9. You know, you could say maybe there's a sense of, hey, why don't I have to be afraid of all these things? You just made a big list. That all sounds really scary, right? <laughs> you're reading, you're like, no, that sounds really bad. But verse 9 says, because you've made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge. And then verse 10 kind of, kind of it leads in, it says, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. So that everything, basically the, the action that we take in this whole chapter is just that this one decision of, you know what? I'm going to be over here with the Lord. That's all that we have to do. Everything else, all those other actions, all that, all that stuff that's going on where the Lord's putting a shield in front of you and he's pushing the, the pestilence away and there's people falling next to you, but he's moving you over and all that stuff is the Lord doing that. The thing that we do is we say, hey, I'd, I'd like to be over there. That seems really good, right? This is really scary. I'm going to choose to stay here. My dad, when, from when we were really little, my dad would always say, you know, we'd be making a, a poor decision, let's say, just to, you know, we don't want to be, be pointing, naming any names or pointing any fingers, but someone would have made a poor decision. And dad would just say, hey, he'd say, listen, the Lord has got you right in here. And he's like, he's put an umbrella over top of you and that's where the blessings are. And he's like, you want to stay where the blessings are. He's like, don't go over there. That's not where the, stay underneath where the blessings are. This is where the Lord's taking care of you. And, and, you know, even as a kid, that made sense to me. I was like, oh, that figures, right? Like, why? I don't want to, whatever I just did hurt. <laughs> Let's do this, right? And that's what the Lord's trying to present to us. He's making it really simple for us, right? Because sometimes, I don't know about you, but I like to think that I like things complicated. And I like to really dig into the, man, the more difficult things that happen in your life, the simpler you, you need stuff, right? That you, you've come through a difficult circumstance or you're facing all these things and you don't need, you know, if, if you're, you're, you're love, somebody you love and you're walking them through loss or you're walking them through some heartache or depression or something, dude, they don't need you to sit down with your five paragraph essay on, well, really, you know, at the end of the day, man, they, you want that simplicity. You want somebody to come and say, listen, I know something about the Lord that I'm going to tell you, right? And so just the simplicity of this, that, hey, you've made the Lord your dwelling place and now the Lord is your refuge and therefore look at all this stuff that the Lord wants to do for you. No evil shall be allowed to defall you. No plague come near your tent. It's like a miraculous preservation, right? No evil. Like you, and I even read that and I kind of like, I don't know, no evil, right? And, and, and I think it's supposed to kind of make us, it's supposed to push us a little bit and say, no, that's what the Lord's promising. No evil. Now, does that mean no hard stuff? Does that mean, you know, no hardship, no pain, no suffering? Of course not, right? We could all tell lots of stories about that. But what it means is through all that, you're preserved, right? If you're, you're, as we trust in the Lord, he's preserving us from evil, right? There's a lot of things that the enemy would like to do to us that I think would be a lot worse than just the loss and the pain that we suffer, right? But the Lord wants to preserve us from, from that, from, when you think of evil, think of like the plan that the enemy would form up for your life, the place that he wants to take you to, you know? And the Lord's not going to allow that to happen when you put your trust in him. 11 says, he'll command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. I just skipped through 12, but the thought carries through. It's this idea that it's not just going to be, right? And I'm so glad that the Lord, for lack of a better term, that the Lord keeps things spiritual. 
in Scripture, right? We have this tendency, and I've, I've noticed this in myself, and maybe even in our culture. We have this tendency where we want to take the promises of the Lord, and we want to try and make them as attainable physically as we can so that we can take care of them. Let me, I guess, to explain what I mean. If we looked, if, if all this was here, and it didn't start talking about the Lord's going to preserve you angelically, <laughs> it would be easy for us to say, okay, so the Lord said he's going to preserve me. Well, how is that going to happen? Well, you know what? If I can get 50% of my yearly income squirreled away over here, and I can, you know, make sure this is taken care of over there, and I can watch for all the danger down there, then the Lord will preserve me, right? Through my ingenuity and through my defenses, and right? And that's, you know, hey, this is what Israel tried to do. God said, hey, don't go buy chariots. Don't go buy horses. And they said, well, I don't know. That's scary over there. The Lord will defend us with these chariots that we bought, you know. That's not what the Lord wanted, right? Because the Lord wants to defend you His way. And that's not always going to be through your cunning and through your wisdom, don't be silly on purpose. But a lot of times, man, there's stuff that's come into my life where there was no way I could have outfought that, right? How was I going to see down the road and, and plan that out? And that's the point. The Lord's saying, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my angels charge over you, right? These are spiritual messengers that the Lord has that they, they're not bound by some of the same difficulties that we have, right? And the Lord's like, I I'm going to give them care over you. So a supernatural spiritual protection, not just things you can see, right? Where, oh, I'm, I'm going to stack it up in your bank account until you're defended. No, Lord's like, hey, I've got something better than that for you. And that requires faith, but it's, it's certainly better in, in my experience. Um, verse 12, I think you might be familiar. If it sounds familiar, it's the verse, one of the verses that Satan tried to use to tempt Jesus with. He kind of tried to twist this and throw it back at Jesus and say, hey, you should jump off the temple because... Angels will pick you up, right? And so, of course, that's a bad way to use this verse, but don't let that take away what the right understanding of this would be, which is that, no, no, the Lord intends for us to be cared for and comforted. And I almost think of that idea of like endurance, like that sometimes, you know, have you been at that point where you're like, how, you look back and you're like, how did we make it through there? You know, man, that was a, that was a ridiculous year. What, how did that work? And, and day by day, the Lord was saying, hey, come on, he can, he can go another day. You know, you're praying and you're asking the Lord for what you need. And the Lord's like, ah, well, you can do another day, right? That, that kind of endurance. Verse 13 says, You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Now, again, when we read, you know, the lion and the adder, it kind of has this, like, mythical sense to us. Right? Like, oh, you're just like St. George and the dragon. You know, you're stomping on all these beasts. And, but for these people, you know, lions and adders are, are real things. You, know, you go to the Middle East, and one time I was out, we were doing this, like, I got to be part of this archaeological dig, and they said, hey, you got to watch out for adders, and I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, and also the snipe hunt, right? Like, you know, I, I was like, really? Like, and they said, no, no, I'm serious. Like, these are snakes that can bite you, and in like 12 minutes, you're gone. <laughs> and, and sure enough, one day we were, we were digging around, and, and somewhere on the other side of the hill, they found one and killed it and said, hey, this is what you're looking out for. And they're just around, right? Something deadly that's just waiting there, right? And, and this was a real thing. You know, people, this was part of their daily life. That, hey, you know, we read, I think Tyler mentioned, we read in the Bible that, hey, God sent a plague of lions. I don't know what that is, but I don't want that, right? These are real, you know, creatures that just were out doing their thing and, and they could really be a huge problem for you. And I love that it says you'll tread on them, you'll trample them underfoot. Is that something you want to do normally? Are you all trying to step on lions and stepping on snakes just for, no, right? You want to stay away from them as much as possible. This is supposed to give you this idea of, hey, that's the amount of victory that the Lord wants to give us over the things that are coming against us. Not just, hey, you'll kind of dodge around them, right? Hey, stay away from them. The Lord will keep you from getting bit, 
No, no, it's like, hey, the Lord wants to give you victory over those things. The Lord, whatever it is that the enemy wants to do, the, the Lord is, try, is, is protecting you, defending you in such a way that you're going to step on top of it, right? And again, of course, I'll just preface this by saying, of course, you know, maybe we kind of feel a little bit, oh, I don't know, you know, because maybe we've had things like this misused in our lives. Maybe somebody came and told you, hey, if, if you have enough faith, you'll never get sick. If you have enough faith, the bank account will never run dry, right? And maybe even twisted up some of these words in Scripture to tell you that. Is that what the Lord's promising us? Of course not. There, and there's, when we get to some other verse somewhere in the Bible, we'll talk about how the Lord says, hey, there's some hardship, there's some suffering when you follow me. Of course that's all in Scripture too. But what I love about this passage, where we are tonight, that I want to focus on, is of course the, the Bible looks at all those things head on and says, hey, life's filled with hard things. And it's because of all those hard things that finding refuge in the Lord is such a sweet thing, right? If the, Lord, if the Bible had the book of Job and then it didn't have the last couple chapters, right, that'd be a little discouraging, right? Hey, life is really hard. Good luck. <laughs> you know, if, 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 if we saw in Scripture, you know, all these terrible stories, you, know, you read Judges and you're like, man, if this was all that the Bible was, I'd be really bummed, right? Just, hey, things were horrible. They were really bad. So, of course, the, you know, the Lord doesn't want us to be thinking naively that there isn't an enemy out there or that life isn't, you know, that sin isn't going to bring all these horrible things into our lives. But I also think, you know, I also think we need to be careful. The Lord doesn't also want us to think that we're beyond the need sometimes for, for the help that he wants to give us. You know, I'd hate to get to heaven and have the Lord say, you know that one time when you were going through that thing and you were, you were trying to, to walk through it, you were doing your best, and I was ready to help you. I was ready to take that thing. I didn't want you to have that. I hadn't given that to you. You were dealing with this thing the enemy was sending to you, and I was right there to take that from you, but I was just waiting for you to say, hey, Lord, can you, can you do something with this? Man, I would hate to have walked through a bad year or a bad day <laughs> that I didn't have to just out of not having the faith to say, hey, Lord, like, I'd rather not, you know? And of course, sometimes the Lord will put those things back, give us back these things and say, listen, keep walking. Sometimes he will, and there's other times where I've, I have seen, you know, you put that before the Lord, and the Lord miraculously says, okay, great, let me, let me put a shield up in front of that for you. And he knows the difference between those cir circumstances, and I don't know that he wants us to puzzle them out ahead of time. I think he'd rather that we ask, you know. And I, I know that because I can be that strong about these things for us because of verse 14 through 16. And this, you know, it's in quotes. It's the Lord kind of responding almost in a sense to what the psalmist is saying. It says, because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. Why, why are we protected? Is it because, you know, of what we know? Is it because of our wisdom? No, it's, hey, we know God's name. That's good enough. Right? If you, you, that's all that, that's what we need to know. If we know who the Lord is, we know what his character is, like we've been learning on Wednesday nights, we're a, we are close to him, we have that intimate relationship within that fellowship, that the Lord says, hey, great, you know my name? I'm going to defend you. I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to protect you. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. And I love that sometimes the Lord even puts things in there that we wouldn't have thought to ask. You know, some, there's, there's some days where I'm not asking the Lord for long life. I'm just asking the Lord for hey, can we make it to tomorrow? <laughs> you know, I'm thinking, man, Lord, it's looking tough. I, I, would, I would like to make it for another week or so. And the Lord says, hey, you know what I'd like to bless you with? Check this out. How about, would you like a long life? 
You know, I love, there's another place in, in Psalms where David says, hey, wouldn't it be awesome if I could see the good things of the Lord in the land of the living? Right? The sense of it, it was like, man, this has been hard. I would just like to see what the good stuff that the Lord can bring here, you know, before I, before I go to be with him. And I love that the Lord isn't ashamed of that. The Lord's like, I like that. That's a cool prayer. I want to I wanna bless you with that as well. The salvation, of course, and, you know, the best, the most excellent thing we could ask for from the Lord. But also just the idea that the Lord wants to give us the things that are a blessing for us when we ask. And, of course, you know, when he calls to me, I'll answer him. You know, this morning I was woken up at 4.30 by my smallest child who was calling to his father expecting an answer. Um, and, you know, there's been sickness going around. So I was wondering, you know, you hear at 4.30 somebody yelling, Dad, and you're like, well, better get upstairs. Like, let's see what's going on, right? So I run up the stairs. and uh, He was very thirsty. He wanted some water. Um, didn't seem very important to me. Once I got up the stairs, I was tempted to be slightly frustrated. But, you know, if I had, let's be honest, right? You guys have been parents. It's 4.30 in the morning. Your kid calls for you. You can go up the stairs, right? I love that little kid to death. I'd do anything for him. And that's the heart that the Lord has for us, right? When we call the Lord, the Lord's not weighing our requests, saying, I think you can make it. Nah, you don't need that. Come on. Keep going. Come on. Keep trucking, you, 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 you shrimp. Like, keep, keep moving. That's not how the Lord looks at us, right? Or even, gosh, even sometimes where I'm, I'm wimping out on the Lord, and I'm like, oh, no, it's so horrible. And the Lord's like, oh, come on. And I'm, I'm sure Gabriel's are like, really, Lord? Like, this is the third time this week he's been praying about the same thing, and he wouldn't have gotten into this situation if he didn't, you know, he's like, <laughs> and the Lord's like, listen, but I like him. Man, it's tough for him. Like, look at all, you don't understand, Gabriel. Like, you're not a person. It's hard for him, right? Like, the Lord, the Lord knows about us. He knows who we are. He knows what we deal with. You know, that's why it's so amazing that Jesus is God and man, right? He, Jesus knows what it's like to be tempted. He knows what it's like to be tired. He knows what it's like to be worried and, and to deal with stuff that's going on, right? Jesus knows what that's like. So when we pray and we're saying, oh, you know, I'm worried. It's not as if we're praying to God and God's like worried. Like, does anybody know what this is? Like, God, God's like, oh, yeah, right. He wants to intervene on our behalf. And the only time that he's going to allow us to continue to go through these circumstances that we go through is if in his wisdom he knows that that's what we need. Right? And we can trust, you know, we can trust him. I love that, you know, that rings true with us, right? You read that and you're like, yeah, that's, that is what life feels like. Maybe some of you are like, that's what life feels like for me right now. I'm looking out at the world and I'm saying, man, there's a lot of danger out there for me. There's a lot of darkness going on. There's a lot of stuff in here that's I'm struggling with. It's difficult, right? It's, it's, I'm just, it's putting me through it. And we deal with all these things with, you know, anxiety and danger and confusion. And sometimes even just the worry about the danger that might happen is tough enough, right? Um, but what's amazing about the fact that the Lord wants to be our fortress, he wants to be our refuge, he wants to be our defender. You know, I love that that's not just so that we can make it. You know, because in this, in this psalm, David doesn't just say, so the Lord kept me from dying another day, right? He says, and then the Lord sent me out and said, now I want you to step on that snake. Now you're going to step on that lion. Now, you know, David, God would say, hey, I want you to take Jerusalem. Yeah, but they're all in there and we're all out here. Right, but I want you to take Jerusalem, right? God is sending us out. to. God has work for us to do. And that's super scary, right? Because sometimes, you know, don't you, you feel like you're in the war movie and you're, you're behind the wall and there's bullets going everywhere and you're like, hey, if we stay right here, we're okay. If I move over there, that's bad. If I move over here, that's going to be bad. And the Lord's saying, yeah, but listen, here's what I want to do. I want to just make that whole problem go away so you can go up the hill. 
right? God doesn't want us. Sometimes I feel like I get this, this sense, hey, Lord, it's really scary out there. I just want to sit right here, right? If I can just not do anything, that would be great. But the, what we see in this psalm is, hey, God, God wants us to throw all those cares onto him so that we can be busy doing the things that he would have us to do. There's, there's victory. The, the idea that you see almost is like there's victories that God wants to accomplish through us that we're not going to be able to be available for him in the way that we need to be if we're so busy with all these things that are, you know, just engaging our hearts that we're struggling with, that we're suffering through, that we're worrying about, right? And a lot of times it would be much easier to just say, well, look, listen, Lord, apparently that victory and doing stuff for the kingdom and saving souls and talking to neighbors, that's got to be for the people who have it together, right? <laughs> you, you people, you go take that hill. I will be here because, you know, I don't know if you've noticed, but my arm's bleeding and you know, stuff is bad over here, right? And we can have that attitude. I've really felt like the Lord has been pushing me in this direction and pushing our church. I think we've all seen the Lord's been speaking through Tyler. Hey, the Lord has things for us. The Lord has works, good works. The Bible says that he's laid out. He has good works in advance planned for us to do. And it would be so easy for us to look at those and say, well, Lord, when, when we're ready, you know, when, when I'm not messing up, <laughs> when, when I'm not struggling with this or that, or when I feel better about it, right? But the reason why the Lord is wanting to provide that fortress for us is so that we can, we come back, right, to the fortress, not so that we can hide in there, right? No, so that, so that we can, hey, let's bang that dent out of the shield, right? Let's get you here. That spear's broken. Get this one, and, and you go back out again, right? Because you have that, that you don't have to be afraid anymore. You know who the Lord is. You know that he's protecting you. You know that he's watching out for you. Now, all you got to do is keep going because he's there, you know, He's telling you where to go. He's clearing the way for you. He's doing all those things that he's promised to do.